1: Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit Figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: No one is, 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 is more locked From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. All right, we got the crew back together for First and Pod. It's good to be back. Thank you very much to Andrew Filicone and Spencer Ray for holding down the fort. I took a little bit of time away after uh, my brother passed away, and I just appreciate all of the support very much. But it's good to be back. First and Pod, we are coming to you late after the first round of the NFL draft. A wild NFL draft pony. I see that you're wearing your Kenny Pickett jersey. Congratulations on getting a little protection for your franchise quarterback.
1: Yes, and congratulations uh, to your franchise
0: for passing on the best player in the draft this year. I don't understand why they did that. Um, I mean, I know what the argument is. the The argument is uh, they're not in a position like the Eagles are to nurture and develop. Jalen Carter, right? Fletcher Cox is there. His old teammate, Jordan Davis, is there. And the Bears have no uh, defensive line talent and are a very young team. But if you've got Matt Eberflus, a defensive head coach, who says that a three-technique tackle is the whole key to his defense and arguably the most talented player in the draft, is there at nine at that position, I don't know how you pass on it. I was furious, but... Darnell, right? At least, at least he protects Justin Fields, also, right? Like it's an investment in your franchise quarterback. So I don't think you can hate it. But I, I think that Jalen Carter is going to haunt the Bears. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy that I, even with all the red flags,
1: just when he was there at nine, I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to start the podcast with maybe the Bears trading down and still getting the player that maybe they would have been forced to take if they had been stuck at that pick. Uh, back in uh, January. So we did the mock drafts without you, Danny. We went through the middle and the back end. So now we get to break down the real thing. So we're going to our original format, which is every team. We'll just go in a sequential order here, starting with the first pick on down. So I'll tee it up for you, your reaction to one thing that did hold, one chalk pick that did hold up, and that is uh, the quarterback going Bryce Young with the first pick to Carolina.
0: Yeah, you know, after the trade and up until three weeks ago, you know, when we did the one through 10 and I was still on the pod, CJ Stroud was minus 300 to go number one overall. Uh, But, you know, the last two weeks or so, and then certainly the last couple of days, it's been a foregone conclusion that it was Bryce Young. Um, I get it. I think it makes sense. His processing and accuracy is incredible. The size scares me. I just laugh about it for Houston, frankly. Like, I get it for Carolina. Good offensive line, good defense, upgraded coach, seven-win team last year. feel like you took a pretty high-floor quarterback who potentially could have special NFL accuracy. But it's just funny to me that everybody in the world thought that that was the guy that Houston wanted, and because they won in Week 17, they had to get crazy with the second and third pick, which we'll get to in a second and uh, take their second pick at quarterback. But I think it makes sense for Carolina. What about you?
1: Well, outliers happen. They exist. People that don't fit into a box, and they have great NFL careers. And then when that happens, they set a precedent in teams and become more comfortable drafting those players or signing those players once it happens. But this is going to be something new, that a quarterback this small – Uh, Doug Flutie had to go play in the Canadian Football League. You know, this is just not something that is typical. Kyler Murray was very short, but he wasn't as slender and slim and tiny from a weight standpoint as Bryce Young. So we're talking about a guy that from a measurable standpoint, the closest cop is a guy named Joe Hamilton who played at Georgia Tech and was a great college quarterback like 20 years ago. So he is a total one of a kind guy for this type of pick. When I see things like he's drew Brees, that worries me. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying that the only guy that he really reminds you of is like the most accurate NFL quarterback of all time who played in a dome for half of his career and then played in San Diego before that in pristine weather. So I don't know. i I would not have if I hadn't. I would not have moved from nine to one and given up all the draft capital if I'm Carolina to take this guy. To me, the way that he's described, I think he can be a very good quarterback, but I don't see great in him. I think that there's a lot of Tua uh, comparisons for me, even though it's lefty to righty quarterback. So, yeah, I I, I do not think Carolina is going to have a transcendent
0: quarterback with this pick. It's just funny to me, like. Drew Brees with mobility, then I wish the Bears would have traded Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, like, if that's actually what this is, then he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That just seems so unlikely, given the size, and I'd be terrified of the injury risk, which is why I wanted the Bears uh, to commit to Justin Fields if he was the number one guy. The draft got weird with Houston. Uh, C.J. Stroud was, you know, 20-1 to one favorite to go number two today. But not at the beginning of the day. This morning, Will Anderson was minus 300. So this was very late gambling markets. There was value here. Uh, The S2 test did not sink CJ Stroud, but we'll do these picks together. They get their quarterback, they get their edge rusher, but they trade a King's ransom for a defensive player. 33rd overall pick, a future first and other draft capital. I hate trading that much for a defensive player. He basically has to be Von Miller, and he might be. But if he's Jadavion Clowney, it's a disastrous trade for the Texans.
1: Yeah, and Will Anderson's athletic uh, athleticism scores were not great. And he also played in a Nick Saban defense that's going to bring out the best in these guys, and they're surrounded by other four-star, five-star recruits. So I, I told you on the mock draft that Houston would take Will Anderson, Now I said two, not three, and you ripped me for it. So I have to take at least a semi-victory lap for this. I don't like what they did. I don't like what they did with either pick. I guess I'm going to be the curmudgeon here to start this podcast. I don't think that this gets Houston relevant again. My biggest concern with Stroud is not the maybe lazy narrative that Ohio State quarterbacks don't work. It's the fact that other than the Cincinnati Bengals, He probably had the best collection of wide receivers in all of football while he was there. That makes it very difficult for me when he's in a great offensive system with incredible wide receivers and he's never run for me to critique the guy in the two biggest games of his career against his arch rival. He lost and didn't really look great to me in either one, especially
0: last year's game.
1: Well, so, he, looked, he
0: did look great in the college football playoff game against Georgia. Yeah, Easily could have won that game in the national championship if Kirby Smart doesn't mess up the, the clock yes, management. Yes, and
1: Kuiper, I thought, made a great point by saying because the guy ran around a little bit in that game, he ended up making himself a ton of money and, and ultimately was the second pick because of it. But, yeah, I don't think Stroud's going to have a great career. And I'm I'm with you on Will Anderson. I think if Will Anderson had played, you know, at a very good – college football program and not alabama he would probably have been a late first round pick
0: yeah i i think that will anderson it's hard to imagine him being bad doing 27 sacks the last two years two-time sec defensive player of the year unbelievable character guy but i don't know that that he's going to be special i I don't know that he's going to be miles garrett or von miller i I, i'm i'll be shocked if he's bad um and the Stroud stuff, I was just happy for him because I think so much of that narrative, like, oh, he flunked a test that 98% of people hadn't heard of. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that, that strikes me as ridiculous. Not every team uses it. It's weak to let those test results go public like that. So I was happy that that didn't sink him, but uh, incredibly ballsy for Houston. And I at least felt vindicated that they were taking a quarterback. I did not think you could go lose Deshaun Watson and put your fan base through two full seasons without at least having hope at quarterback. Speaking of hope at quarterback pony, Indianapolis takes Anthony Richardson. It's a crazy gamble, but here's why I like it. Chris Ballard's getting fired if he doesn't figure out a quarterback. And in the AFC, where Trevor Lawrence might be the Seventh best quarterback in the conference. And Bryce Young didn't enter your conference, but CJ Stroud did, right? Like there's just more talent coming in. You can't have Mac Jones. Like, you can't have the guy that's like, eh, maybe he's got a high floor but a low ceiling or whatever. Not that Mac Jones looks like he's got a high floor now, but that was the profile coming out of the draft. You've got to go boom or bust. Because if Anthony Richardson hits he's going to be an absolute superstar. And if he busts, you are going to get fired anyway. So it's a ballsy pick. It's like putting a $500 chip on one number in roulette. But if it hits, you get the you know King's suite at the Bellagio. So risky for sure. But I think they had to take a big risk and they took it. I think it's less risky given where he's going
1: and what they're surrounding him with in Indianapolis. The coach, Steichen, worked with Hertz. He was there developing that offense for Hertz. You've got at least one quarterback, maybe two, but definitely one in Gardner Minshew, who was just in that offense last year, maybe Foles too, depending on what they decide to do with him. And so I just think it's a nurturing environment for a quarterback that only has 13 career starts. And maybe among those, there's only a handful of games where you would say he looked like the fourth overall pick, but he tested like Cam Newton. And so that to me, you've got a few games like the Utah game where you look at him and say, oh my God, no one else in college football can do this. Um, It was in a new offense with a new coach. So I think he also gets the benefit of that out there, whereas Young and Stroud were in great situations Young two years ago and Stroud this past season and even the season before that, so I love it. I don't know. I don't think it's a. Hey, if he gets right on the field because he looks awesome in training camp in the preseason, okay. But I'm not. I'm not sure that's the best idea for him. I think very rarely do I do I advocate a player watching for a big chunk in there of their rookie year. It worked with Mahomes. I think, it's, I think it would be a really good idea for him to let the game slow down and just check it out for maybe the first 10 or 15 games of this year.
0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Andy Dalton just did that for Justin Fields. Right. Right? Do, do, it, do it again for Anthony Richardson. Uh, the gambling market likes Jalen Carter. To Seattle it didn't happen they took a much safer pick with Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois and then they come back with the 20th pick and take Jackson Smith and Jigba I loved what Seattle did
1: Mm. I don't
0: I don't know how you could possibly criticize this top corner top receiver I thought it was executed to perfection Two very high floor guys. I'd be shocked if either of them are bad NFL players. Well, then
1: I'm gonna try to
0: criticize it.
1: Really? Uh, yes. The Witherspoon thing to me, he doesn't he fits their culture because he's just such a in your face player and physical player, which is what Carol likes. But he's a smaller corner. And they've had so much success with the bigger guys like Woolen and then obviously Richard Sherman is the prototype for that. The other thing that just surprised me about that is when you have a reputation of finding corners later in the draft, why do you have to take one at five? Like to me, it's like you have this great skill. I would want to use that skill and take somebody at pick like 90 rather than take them at five, especially when it's a guy who is smaller um, how is he going to do against the run, which is not my number one concern. It's more, can he cover people? He's pretty he tough, get, man. He got He's called for a ton of penalties, but the uh, the thing that no one has said about Illinois, and I felt like, you know, I was screaming this into just the abyss. Hell, if you line me up at corner against those big 10 West offenses this year, I would have looked like Richard Sherman. I mean, they were in the perfect division. They had the number one defense in college football because they played remedial defenses. So he is a badass, but he is small. And the other thing about Smith and Jigba that worries me is he was just so damn slow. His 40 times spooked me. He's almost predominantly a slot receiver. And I guess that's okay when you've got DK Metcalf. He can play off of that and Lockett's there too but to me he's kind of a niche receiver. He I don't see him running away from defenses. I thought there were better picks. Better I thought there were better wide receivers in this draft. He was so good 2 years ago from a production standpoint. He caught a million balls, I get that.
0: Well and then, and and then he and then he got hurt and it was just a little weird and he's still working his way back. I mean, dude, that Rose Bowl game is arguably the most impressive sure. college football game I've ever seen an individual yeah. have. but I mean, Utah was so
1: depleted, they had running backs lining up at corner. No, I know. In that game. I so. know.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think that he's a pretty high floor player. I think he's a good route runner for whatever it's worth. And I know players compliment their their teammates all the time, but Olave and Garrett Wilson said that he was the most talented dude. I know, I heard that. You know, among among the three of them when they were practicing together now obviously marvin harrison jr has probably passed all of those guys and will be a top five pick next year but i i thought that if you're seattle those are two of the four most premium positions and uh i thought that they did a pretty good job coming out of it arizona found their trade down partner which i think you love and I thought it was fascinating, and I don't know, I was I was hosting on, on the air through the Bears pick, so I don't know if anyone made the point on TV, but that is exactly what Miami did. Now, Miami did it before the draft, but Miami traded with San Francisco from 3 to 12, and then traded back up from 12 to 6. They did it to take Jalen Waddell. Arizona does it to take Paris Johnson. Which, for Kyler, you've got to love. I was surprised, given who they hired at head coach, that they didn't go defense. But overall, in terms of draft capital for a defensive player, and then doing whatever you can to salvage Kyler Murray, I kind of liked it. Well... Arizona is an organization They're that's a terrible a organization though. So like right. when I like what they like, I don't, I don't feel good about it.
1: And the scuttlebutt a couple of days ago was this is what Kyler Murray wanted. And right. he had gone to them and said, I want to tackle. Okay. Well, I mean, it's better than him saying, you know, I want, you know, ample hours to play video games again, which was obviously the rub on him. So at least it's showing that he has some, I guess, uh, interest in what the Cardinals are doing, but you know, I don't, I don't think, and as someone that was in, looking at all these offensive tackles, just like you were, Paris Johnson, I think, if either one of our teams had taken them at the spot they were in or even moved up a spot or two, we would have been fine with it. But we talked to so many draft offensive line experts over the last few months. Not a single one of them said Paris Johnson is going to be head and shoulders better than the rest of them. And if you have to bet on one guy, move up to get him and you know, move some things around the chessboard to do it. So that's what struck me. His dad played in the NFL, I think, was a decent enough player. But I don't know. No one said to me, Paris Johnson at six in the top ten is a slam dunk, no-brainer type pick.
0: No, I n- no one did. But when you look at it, like Tyree Wilson, the next pick, medical questions, John Robinson, the next pick, running back in the top ten. Jalen Carter, the next pick. Obvious character questions. Like the draft gets very flimsy here, right? There was a ton of disagreement. There was no consensus really uh, in in this draft outside of. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's take a few of those picks together here that you just mentioned.
1: Vegas taking Wilson at seven. Atlanta taking Robinson at eight. Carter at nine, and then your team Chicago at ten. Okay, just going through those. Vegas could not take Jalen Carter. Okay, they had the hunt. They had the Henry Ruggs incident. They were not going to take a guy that was involved in something where people died because of drag racing. Right. The idea of Jalen Carter going to Vegas and living in that city was not was a non-starter. So Wilson, I mean. Two days ago, Wilson was the projected number two pick in the draft. Okay. The betting markets were wrong about him too. Um, you know, I had not really studied the guy that much. So the idea that he got hurt at Texas Tech and still ended up being a top ten pick, I guess, says something about what people see in the potential as him as a player that was maybe well, I mean, just studied. His on measurables
0: team. are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. His his I mean, and you saw him at the draft, the swaggiest dude I've ever seen. Maybe in my entire life, that was the coolest like suit, chain, glasses, hat look of all time. His arms like hang down to yeah. his toes and it's just, like physical freak of nature, but and, bad and, foot injury and some questions about yeah. it. But, you know, him and Max Crosby as a couple of edge rushers, that makes and sense. Chandler Jones. Yeah, right. Uh, and they were 28th in sacks last year. You
1: know, are you going to give me now props for saying Bijan Robinson was going to be the Falcons pick, please? I mean,
0: you and the gamblers, man. I. But I
1: said it before the gambling market even came out on that. They hadn't even posted odds for the. Well, they did. No, they had, they had odds. and But they, he was a huge underdog at that point. And you thought I was out of my gourd when I, I said that.
0: I mean, it's podcast. exciting. And. Drake London and Kyle Pitts and him as the last three first-round picks. Like, great job by you. Fascinating. Very fantasy football-esque. Very fast with Ritter. But, like, it feels like a NFL blitz offense. Like It feels like seven-on-seven seven football. Am I insane here to think that Atlanta is not a strong enough team as a 53-man roster to be drafting running backs with the eighth overall pick like, to me like christian gonzalez uh opposite aj terrell try to lock down two corners there would have made a decent amount of sense uh building in your offensive line i was just everybody ended up saying it. yes you were among the first to say it but it just feels like a luxury pick for a team that's not ready to make those types of well picks. i don't i don't think it's a good pick either but i just
1: felt like there were things about atlanta's personality that that made it um that made it a match. Yeah, you they, nailed it. You got you got the coach who worked with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. You've got a franchise that doesn't have a face at quarterback that can build its offense around a running back, not the quarterback's talents. They were so run heavy last year. Um so you're in a division where you might think if you get a guy, even if it's for three or four years, if if Bijan Robinson steps in and is the rookie of the year in the NFL this season, that that might be enough to lead you to a division championship where it's wide open. So that's why I put all those things together. But ultimately, look, I mean, Jalen Carter went with the the next pick. Falcons fans are Georgia fans. If they had taken Jalen Carter... That franchise would have loved it. Like, it's not always the easiest thing to sell tickets down there. And you take a guy that was going to be the number one overall pick, and you have him just drive an hour or whatever it is from Athens to Atlanta, and you get him a driver that babysits him and stuff, and you just say, you're, like, going to be our defensive stalwart for
0: the next 10 years. I mean, I think they should have done that. Do you think that there would have been the type of heat though that you're talking about with Vegas? Like obviously Vegas with the Henry Ruggs thing, it's 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 worse. But I think you got fans that are make willing to make excuses for him
1: if he goes there because he helped their college team win a national championship. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, of course. I'm just saying, get him away from that environment. Uh, Jalen Carter went to the perfect spot. It's disgusting. Oh my god. It's I disgusting. Know. They lose Hargrave. He goes with Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox, and the best general manager in the sport drafts him, and he had to move up one spot and give up a future fourth-round pick to and do oh, it. And, oh, by
1: the way, they got Nolan Smith from Georgia
0: with the 30th pick, too. Right, so, so he's got a couple, of, bulldogs there. He a couple of friends and teammates. And, yeah, so Nolan Smith with the 30th pick in the draft, who I thought could have been a fringe top-10 pick, because if he doesn't tear his pectoral muscle, he's he very- would He's very small though. I mean, he's so, he's so, he's
1: so for that position. He, I think he would have been the smallest starter in the league last year by weight. Right. But he,
0: he runs a sub four, four He ran and, a faster 40 than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right. Like, and in a league that is going to like linebackers who need to run and cover yeah. more and be versatile and be like Micah Parsons esque players. Like, yeah. The fact that Howie Roseman took him makes me think, again, that he's going to be awesome. I agree. I agree with that. The Eagles, you know,
1: they they did something with both of their picks that GMs talk about all the time and then really never do, is they just took the best player available, I think, both times.
0: And but they fits, also, it, they it, also didn't the, have a huge need.
1: Right. But it, But it also fits, like, the identity of the team and how they want to win games, too. So it was the best of both worlds.
0: I saw a thing today that, uh, in the last 14 drafts, the Eagles have only selected four positions in the first round, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, receiver, receiver. Yeah. And they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson
1: and it didn't stick to them or haunt them really whatsoever.
0: Yeah. I mean, they immediately made up for it with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. (laughs) Good organization.